in my life, like I'm going to get hit with ugly and hard things because we're human and it's messy. But knowing that I have the capacity to feel those things, to process those things, and then choose who I want to be in the world and show up as her. I don't think anything's given me more confidence than having trust that I know how to do that. Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur Podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Good morning. How are you? Yes, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I listened to your podcast with your mom. I was really moved by your story. Well, thank you. Well, I'm excited to learn more about you. Do you want to start out by kind of introducing yourself a little bit about you and the family and then what you do? Yeah. So I'm Tila. I am from Utah. I've been married 12 years. I've got two kids. I love it here. I've been doing mindset coaching for about five years now, and I am obsessed with it. I love working with women. I love working in entrepreneurship. I've always loved, I don't know, loved work. And I love how creative women are when they're given like the tools and the runway to like create something. So it's been amazing to kind of put those together and get to work in that space yeah that's awesome how old are your kiddos so my daughter is eight and my son is six so this is the first year that they're in school full-time which has been amazing and an adjustment at the same time (laughs) I really I've liked it it's been good but allows you more time for yourself than you probably used to Definitely been like a different stage in like business and in life, busy in different ways, but really good. Yeah, that's awesome. So how did you get into mindset coaching and what kind of drove you in that direction? So that actually started with my son. So I had had some pregnancy issues with my daughter and we were watching with my son for high risk things. And I ended up going into labor and having him at... 27 weeks pregnant. So I was in my sixth month of pregnancy and he came in like a wrecking ball and we just weren't expecting to have him that early. I hadn't even announced my pregnancy at that point because things were just a little touch and go. And it really turned our world upside down because he was so medically needy. Like they didn't think he was going to make it through the night at first. And then they told us, you know, he probably won't walk or talk or eat on his own. And things were just crazy. And I ended up quitting my job because I'm like, I don't know, what am I going to hire like a full-time nurse or something? Like, I don't know, like my whole world just shifted. And I had had so much of my identity, I think, caught up in my work before then that I hadn't really like acknowledged. And so all of a sudden I was just at home in this like tiny basement apartment because we had no idea how much the medical bills were going to be. And I'm with my like two toddlers with like no sunlight and so many unknowns, like with, he had a lot of brain bleeding and with how that works is your brain 
develops slowly. So even though he was developing okay at the time, the more developed the brain becomes, a lot of the deficits become apparent later down the road. So mm -hmm. he could be eating at six months and then lose the ability to eat by age two, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. there was just a lot of playing it by ear and not knowing what the future was going to look like. And it turned my world upside down in not a good way. And I was not handling it very well. And so that was kind of when I found personal development and I went all in with it. I was like, okay, I need, I need something like I need to control. The only thing that I think I can control. And I realized that that was going to be me. Like what kind of mom was I going to be? How was I going to show up? How was I going to raise a kid if he was going to be really medically needy? Um, how was I going to manage my own feelings around it? And so that kind of led me to personal development and I loved it. And that was the first real aha moment I think I had with it was that like, I like to picture if my like body was empty, I was like full of water up to my nose. I think before I had my son, if I were being realistic and having my son, like push me over the edge, like I was spilling over all the time. And I realized that had I not gone through like this extreme crisis, I would have been living up to that like nose level, water level of stress all the time. And I thought that it was normal. And I realized that most of the moms around me were living that way all the time. And they mm -hmm. thought it was normal. And we act kind of like it is like, oh, yep, that's just what it is to be a mom. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be putting your needs on the back burner. You're going to be living under all kinds of stress. And that's just normal. And I really bought into that. And so when I realized that there was a different way to live, I was convinced that that was going to be my, my message, my platform. I'm like, I've got, I've got to tell people that like, there's a better way to do things because that personal development work I felt like that water level dropped all the way down to like my belly button. And all of a sudden I just had all this space. Like when stress came up, I could deal with it. When big emotions came up, I could deal with it. I just had the capacity to enjoy my life and show up with intention, even though my actual circumstances hadn't changed at that point. Like I still didn't know the severity of what my son's health conditions were going to be. We were still living in the basement apartment. Like things were still hard but I just had the capacity to be present and to really enjoy my life. And so that was what led me towards personal development to start. And then I originally started, I was like, I think I'm going to do like public speaking. This was like the rise of Rachel Hollis when that was like a big thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like my first yeah. development, yeah. development things. I'm like, that sounds amazing. Even though I did not, I had a, like a fear of public speaking. I was like, no, <laughs> this is the way. And I don't know. It was, you know, that was like a whole era, a whole vibe. And I'm kind of glad I ended up where I did. But I uh, joined a business mastermind group. And we were all there getting the same information, essentially. And as I was like getting to know these women and really creating these connections, I realized that a lack of the education or the information wasn't where most women struggled. It was in the action. Like most women were struggling to like do what they knew they needed to be doing. They knew how to write the emails. They knew how to show up on social media. Like it wasn't a lack of 
what should I be doing? It was in the action. And for me, I realized that was all in the mindset that nine times out of 10, there was a limiting belief that was keeping someone from taking the action that they wanted to be taking in their business. So if they weren't showing up on social media, it was probably a fear of judgment or feeling like they didn't have enough to share or they weren't enough of an expert. Like there was something going on in their mindset, a limiting belief that was keeping them from showing up. And so that's really when those worlds kind of came together for me that led me to the mindset coaching for women in business that they, no one was really paying attention to that space and that I knew people had stuff to offer. They just needed help kind of getting rid of those beliefs that were holding them back. I love that so much. I love like your story and how you got there and how you took, you know, a pretty terrible circumstance and turned it into something. But I do feel like a lot of us are in that, you know, just barely keeping our head above water at all points in time thinking this is fine. This is fine (laughs) the whole time until that one thing that kind of happens that like, you know, just pushes us over the edge. Um, I think we've all been there at some point. And I also do really agree that a lot of the times those things that are, you know, we're not showing up on social media or whatever it is, it's always tied back to some sort of internal conflict. Like, oh, I don't want to show up too salesy. I don't want, you know, maybe I'm not you know, good enough at this yet to actually be talking about it or whatever. So I love that you talk about that. That's so awesome. I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that you really talked about that I think is important is that like those beliefs, you have to change them in order to have like an actual behavior change an impact like outside of that. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. So I think it's really interesting is almost all of us believe that we have limiting beliefs, but like simultaneously we're like, "Eh, it's not really affecting how I show up. But I think about limiting beliefs, like your operating system, right? Like we pick up beliefs through our entire life. And most of the time, in like seemingly innocuous situations. Like we're presented with a situation and we accept something as true. So like, it might be like little Tila in first grade doing terrible on a math test and being like, oh, I'm bad at math. And I'm like, whoop, I'm just gonna put that in my operating system. And just like computers, like it's going to live there until I do something about it. Like it is just running full time, in the background and most of the time we forget it's there and we we don't notice it and we just keep like moving forward with life so now here I am adult Tila running a business and I'm like hey I want to build a business that's six figures or seven figures and all of a sudden that like hey I am bad at math belief running in the background of my operating system is going to be in direct competition (laughs) with this, Hey, I want to build something that's really financially successful. And so we have to do the work of kind of making those unconscious beliefs conscious. That's like the first step is what's living in the background that I haven't been paying attention to. 
And those beliefs, I believe, have to be emotionally released because usually we have an emotional attachment to them. If it was something we could like logic our way out of, we would have done it already. <laughs> like logically, I know I'm not terrible at math, but on some emotional level, for whatever reason, our negative beliefs about self, they feel, they feel true. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm working with a client, we usually do like a release process that handles that on multiple levels because change is important on the different levels that we adopt, adopt those beliefs. But when we're tackling your limiting beliefs on all of those levels, then you have the space to like, to take on a new, a new belief and have it stick. When I think about the visual for that, cause I love, I love affirmations. I think they are super effective, but often when we're not handling what's hand, sitting there kind of under the surface. So if I just take on, Hey, I'm really good with money. I picture it like holding two opposing beliefs at the same time. Like they're both going to get kicked up when something comes up. Maybe I don't sign the client. Oh, that I'm like bad at math belief is getting like kicked up to the surface because it still exists. I haven't actually rooted it out. I haven't taken care of it. And so um, when we're dealing with limiting beliefs, it is important that we change on that level of identity. And that starts with, I think, first knowing yourself. So like a simple way to get started with that can be something journaling, like asking yourself those questions, like, what do I believe about money? What did my parents believe about money? Starting with really simple questions, asking yourself those questions. Um, A way that I think is one of my favorites is when I find myself in a situation that I would call sticky. So if I am emotionally activated and it might be over something small, but I like can't let it go. You know, the situations like maybe something happened in traffic or you had an interaction with a friend and like even a day or two later, you're just a little like miffed about it. Like something is sticky about the situation. I start with the question, like, what am I making that mean about me? So if I had a negative interaction with a friend and I were to ask myself, what am I making that mean about me? Maybe I felt undervalued in the situation. Like that would be, so what am I making it mean about me that I'm not valued? Usually it's an I am statement. And then you really know if you've hit on a genuine limiting belief. If I take that statement, I am not valued and say like, does this show up for me? And like a lot of times, (laughs) like, can I think of like a strong memory, like an earlier strong memory that like this goes back to and I'll be like, oh, yep. Yep, there it is. Like sometimes it's in childhood, sometimes it's in middle school, but most of the time, these things that are really activating us, they're there. They're just sitting in our operating system and these little day-to-day interactions are causing them to make us feel bad. Mm -hmm. And we just, we're not noticing them until you call attention. And when you like say, okay, done, (laughs) I'm feeling something. What am I feeling? And then what am I making it mean? it allows us to really tackle what's going on under the surface so we can start to make deep-rooted changes 
on that identity level. Cause I don't want to walk around believing that I'm undervalued all the time on some level, even mm-hmm. if it's logically true. If I emotionally believe it, I'm going to respond that way to people. So I think that's a great place to start for people that are wondering where to start is if you're feeling activated, what am I making that situation mean about me? That's such a good question to like ask ourselves. And I feel like it can be hard to do like in the heat of the moment, but, but going back and looking at it from an outside perspective, maybe after that emotional like wave has kind of hit, but I do love how you talk about, you know, the actions that we're wanting to take and like adding in those new affirmations and new actions we can only do that if we sort through like all of the bad stuff that we <laughs> put in that operating system before. And I mean, one of the things that I immediately think about is like every woman's like, oh, I want to go to the gym, you know, three days a week. And we, you know, get that New Year's resolution and we go for it. And then we do like two weeks and then it's immediately gone. And it's like, okay, but why is that? Is it something that like, you personally believe that that's something you can't actually do because you haven't been able to do it in the past? Or is it like that you've got an insecurity that's showing up in that space or whatever? There's always something deeper to it. Yes. I actually love that you said that because one of my like very first belief breakthroughs was kind of along that line. And I had so many body image issue garbage that I dealt with early on when I started (laughs) (laughs) so mean that way but like it was that I didn't finish things like there was like Mm -hmm. some level and I don't even remember now like where exactly I picked it up but I would get excited about something and then I'd like quickly burn out and I just believed that like I'm not someone that finishes things and that seems like not a huge deal, but man, was it like playing out on repeat in my life. And I was like, so tired of like being a person (laughs) that didn't finish or complete things. And so like consciously realizing that like, A, I believe that B, I don't want that to be a part of like my personality, part of what I believe about myself. And then going back and doing the deep work shortly after I finished my first like half marathon loved that and like ever since then I finished all kinds of things but like but dealing with the initial belief and it's going to be different for everybody for some people not going to the gym might be that it's interesting a lot of the times body things are safety things that it's not safe to stand out, that Mm -hmm. it's safe to grow. So it's really fascinating, but I do encourage people to do the layers Mm -hmm. of questions. And often it will start to surface with those beliefs. I think most limiting beliefs come back to one of a few cores. I am not enough. I am not worthy. I am not capable. I am not lovable. Those are the most common, but 
their sisters, their above layers come in all kinds of shapes and sizes of things that we tend to believe. But when we keep digging more often than not, it ends up on one of those poor limiting beliefs that for some reason we've adopted and held on to for a long time. Mm-hmm. One of the big things that I, you know, limiting beliefs that I've been working through is that I am not lovable. And, you know, I, when I was working through it with my therapist, it was like going through the levels of like, okay, what are some things that you think about yourself? And then it was like, okay, why might you think that? What was maybe the experience and what does that lead you to? And it's always those like, and all be all statements. I am one way or I am not one way. (laughs) And how do we like actually physically do that shift from something that was maybe a major weakness for us into something that we can actually use as an area of growth and maybe not looking at that as a weakness or a failure, but just another area to grow. I love that because sometimes the thing we believe came from an experience in which it was actually true. Like maybe I was genuinely bad at math at some point right? Like that could Mm -hmm. have some effect in it, but that's the thing about operating systems. And it's the worst feature of them, if you will, is that it puts it on for every moment. So most moments that belief is going to be irrelevant and not true. But if I take it on as a blanket truth from that moment, it's still running all the time. So something that's really helpful for that is I like to run the cost of that belief. So if I take the belief, something as simple as I'm bad at math and I say, okay, what's that costing me in my health, my relationships, my finances, my relationship with God, my relationship with myself, how is it showing up in these different areas? I promise if you dig deep, those genuine limiting beliefs are showing up everywhere, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And They're not relevant everywhere. They're not helpful anywhere. And so it's really important, A, that we feel the weight of what keeping that belief is like, because we don't change when we don't feel the weight of it, because we're holding on to it for a reason. I won't say it's serving us, but to a degree, it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make it first uncomfortable by looking at like the genuine cost of what keeping it looks like is a great first step for that. And then when I am anchoring a new belief, I won't go from one extreme to a new extreme. So I won't say I'm bad at math to like, I'm a genius at math. (laughs) I will typically pick a belief that like my brain can believe. So it's possible that I could be really good at math. Might be my first belief or like, I am better at math than some people. I might like, I might pick something that's a bridge Mm -hmm. to where I want to go. So I can work my way towards a better belief. And one other thing to acknowledge with that is our brain, it wants to save calories. And often it simplifies by giving us two options. It's this or that. I am excellent at math or I am terrible at math. These are your two options. 
Mm-hmm. And most of the time when we're feeling absolutely stuck, ask yourself if you're weighing two options. And most of the time we are. And most of the time there are a lot of other options in between A and B. So taking a step back and saying, is it possible I'm just like average at math and that's okay? Like, is that an option or whatever it is? And like, obviously math's not like the best example, but sometimes we think we have to be all in, in our business or not do our business at all. Mm -hmm. And our brain's saying like, pick, we have to be running a business or a mom, but not both pick. It's giving us these two extreme options. And most of the time, there's like a lot more options on the table that we're not even considering. So if you're feeling like really stuck, (laughs) take a step back and say like, is there actually other options that I'm missing here? Like, this Mm -hmm. is what my brain's offering me, but like, what's actually true? Is there a middle? Is there a variation on this that like, I haven't really thought about before, but by making that like a more conscious decision, because we're running on autopilot, like the I wish I had like the statistic in front of me, but your brain thinks like close to a hundred thousand thoughts a day. And they say that 90% of those you thought the day before. Mm. So the majority of the time, like we're just running on autopilot until we tell our brain, hold on, (laughs) wait a minute. Like let's do something different. Mm -hmm. So I think those would be like, you're really looking to switch it up first, make it painful to keep the belief you have, like what's it costing me to, if you have to create a bridge, create a bridge and also don't get stuck in that like A or B thinking, like there's usually mm-hmm. options that we haven't considered. Yeah, I love that. I I think, especially as women, we are far too caught up in the all or nothing mindset. Like it, it can only be one way or the other. And I also think that that does kind of play into us kind of getting stuck in that like feeling like we're barely keeping our head above water too because it's like if I'm not doing everything and doing it perfectly all the time I'm failing so how do we go about like you know going through this growth process and making these mindset changes and doing that you know little increments at a time while still making sure that we're happy with where we're at at the same time Oh, I love that question. Um, something I wish every woman started with first, because I think it's fascinating. And this is, I'm actually doing a course on this coming up because I wish it was something we asked women, but we don't. Is like, what do you as a person value? And we don't ask we don't ask, we don't ask women most of the time and virtually no one I've met, if I asked them to name their values at the top of their head, could they? And I'm not talking values as in like ethics, like, oh, I'm honest or I'm kind, but like me as a person, like I value family curiosity. I I value um, truth, adventure. Those like, those are my personal values. And when we are chasing something, Often we're chasing things that we don't actually personally value. Mm -hmm. We are chasing things that we've been told to value or that we've been told that success 
looks like. And it almost always misses the mark for us as a person or it only carries a fraction of it. So if I could give like one piece first start is like come up with five things that you like really value that are like near and dear to your heart. Like if it's family for you, if it's it community, is it service? Is it leadership? Like what are those things? And look at what you're building. Is it reflective of what you value? Because most of the time, the women that I end up working with have built businesses that even they don't want to work in. And like, we leave corporate a lot of the time for freedom and then build something that we end up hating because we haven't asked ourselves, what do we want? And society rarely asks women, what do you want? Like, what do you want as a person? So part of being happy where we're at is knowing what lights us up, like actually taking the time to define like what success for you is going to look like. And then being picky about who you're going to give the microphone to. So if my idea of success right now is working a 24-hour work week because I'm a mom and I want to make a full-time income on a 24-hour work week, then who I'm following on social media probably shouldn't be someone that's single working a 70-hour work week trying to make seven figures. Mm -hmm. going to set up an unrealistic path for what I'm actually saying I want. And I'm constantly going to feel like I'm not doing enough. And by that standard, I'm not, but we're not aligned with the kind of success that we're each individually seeking. Both are valid. Both are important. They're just different. So first define what it is, what's holistic success for you. So when you're defining what you value, I'm not talking business values either for your working moms, like what's your business value, but you as a person, what lights you up and are you actually chasing things that you value and then counting those wins? Cause you're automatically going to feel a lot more fulfilled mm -hmm. chasing things that actually light us up and fulfill us. And yep. then celebrating the wins as we get them. And Growth is incremental. So it's about creating those habits. It is about creating habits. And it's the trickiest part about mindset. Because I am glad you asked. Because I think one of the saddest things I see when we get into the mindset world is women that are in genuinely toxic, bad situations that have convinced themselves that if they just change how they view it, like it's just in their head. If I just change how I view it, then everything will be better. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy, not healthy either. So when we're your mindset, I want to like give this answer the care it deserves because there is, there are, too many women that I run into in genuinely unhealthy situations that think they can mindset their way mm -hmm. out of abuse or mindset their way out of toxic relationships. I feel like for me personally, I was in a very toxic relationship and that's what I did 
a lot was like, you know, working on my mindset and just willing everything to be better, you know, in some sort of a way. But actually, I think in working on my own personal mindset and, you know, really redefining my beliefs and who I was at this new point in my life, I realized that the person that I was with couldn't match up with where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be in some sort of a way. And it actually allowed me to kind of let go of that relationship. I love that. I think that's very true for most people in the sense that as you get healthier, if you're, if you're, relationships or jobs or whatever it is that's actually toxic in your life isn't the problem you getting healthier should improve those things Mm -hmm. if as you get healthier and healthier those things continue to get worse it's a good indicator that you are not the problem (laughs) and that those things in your life are genuinely unhealthy and need looking at more more in depth yeah I love that so much Well, and you brought up, you know, us as women specifically (laughs) having the issue of building this business because it's what was kind of expected or, you know, pushed on us um, to be the model of success or whatever. We get there, we build it, and then we realize, hate it. It's not bringing us any joy in any sort of way, even though it may be bringing us, you know, money or you know other things but it's not really bringing us that joy anymore how do we get through the mindset shift of okay well I know that this isn't maybe healthy isn't bringing me joy isn't bringing me xyz but I'm not looking at it as a failure if I choose to step away from it because I do feel like once we get to that level of quote-unquote success that's been defined by other people we can have a hard time kind of walking away from it even if it's not our definition of success yes it is hard and everything is learning like I look at I call it like my past life but I actually worked at Costco corporate for a long time almost a decade actually before I had my son. And then I was like, I'm going to be a yoga instructor. And I did like a yoga instructor certification. Like I did a lot of things leading up to finding this thing. And they've all really contributed to what I needed here. And they've been lovely life experience, but I would make that two parts. I think first, when you define what your values are, a lot of the times There are genuine things we can do to pivot the direction of what we've built to make it fulfilling, good, great. Like I see a lot of women end up scrapping a business because they're not sure why it's not working. They just know it's not working. And that's always sad to me when there are small adjustments that can be made to get it back on track, to be in alignment with them. They just haven't put the words to it yet. So if I really value community service and creativity. And my business is like giving me so much community, but no service and no creativity. 
creativity. Thank you. Then like, I might be able to incorporate aspects of creativity back into my business. And I might be able to like find ways for my business to be able to give back to the community or something like that. And all of a sudden I'm feeling pretty amazing where I'm at because I knew what to dive in on, what to pivot, what to fix. Some of us are in a job that's only meeting profitability and it's not fulfilling us in any other way. And yes, like there is a need for a genuine pivot outside of that. But the way I look at it is it's not success if it's costing you your health, your relationships, your family, your mental well-being. Like it's not really success. Mm-hmm. And so being able to build something that makes money is incredible. You should give yourself the credit for that. But you're capable of building something that meets all levels of success when you know what it is you're reaching for. And I think giving yourself the trust and the runway to know that if you built something incredible once, you can do it again. But with a little more vision this time, a little more clarity on how you're going to take care of you in the process and what like success looks and feels like for you mm-hmm. makes all the difference. Because I don't want to be alone and rich. I don't want to have money, but no quality of life or relationships. It's just not, for me, that's not what success actually is. And it is scary, but there is no failure in learning. To me, like failure is when we quit because that becomes like the end of our story. Like I just watched that Dungeons and Dragons movie. It was actually really good, (laughs) but he kind of talks about that, that like when we quit, that's the end of the story. That's where the story ends. It becomes all the story was ever about. As long as we keep going and we keep learning, it's not failure. Like our story hasn't ended. Like we're still evolving. We're still growing and we still have the possibility for success as we continue. And I loved that, like that thought, that perspective. Yeah. I love that perspective too. So how has all of this mindset work and working through these limited, limiting beliefs really impacted your confidence across all areas of life, whether that's, you know, your marriage, motherhood, business, all of those different things. I think that's my favorite thing about this work is I work primarily with women in business, but when you change how you're viewing yourself and viewing the world, every area of your life changes by nature. So they'll come back and say, my marriage has never been better or my relationship with my kids has never been better for me. There is power and confidence in being able to feel everything and choose how to act. And that's what the work does is I can't control what happens in my life. Like I'm going to get hit with ugly and hard things because we're human and it's messy. But knowing that I have the capacity to feel those things, to process those things, and then choose who I want to be in the world and show up as her, I don't think anything has given me more confidence than having 
trust that I know how to do that. It's, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. I feel like once you shift one area of your life, all of it starts shifting and it's wonderful to get to see the changes across everything and the change in yourself too. the way that when you have that like mindset shift and that confidence start showing up in every area of your life, it's like you physically change too. Like you stand up straighter and you just like show up as this completely different person and it's wonderful. So amazing. And you call you call in those kind of relationships, those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Like, I swear, it's just like the currency of the universe is when you show <laughs> knowing who you are, everything meets you where you're at, at that level. And it's incredible to see it. And my kids, like I look at like the level of confidence and emotional intelligence that like they already have. And that thrills me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an incredible incredible journey and well worth the investment choosing the level of like discomfort to grow is worth it because I was uncomfortable like we talked about for so long before and I tell you what if you have to choose one or the other the discomfort of growing is way better than the discomfort of staying the same and just living below your potential Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Well, do you have any final tips, tricks, tools, anything like that, that you want to share with our listeners? Mm. I just love the thought of visualize your highest self and start showing up as her and what's not matching is going to become apparent. If you don't know where to start, Eden, sometimes I'll picture a fictional person because sometimes when we're in like a hard place, picturing us at our best is hard. But if you love Jessica Day or from New Girl or whatever, like if you have a fictional person that you love that you think is just nailing something, what would she do if she was feeling down? What would she do in this conflict and start showing up as that person and I promise you'll get closer and closer to that and you'll start to be able to picture your highest and best self as she really is. I love that. Well, thank you so much for doing this with us. We really appreciate it. Do you want to share where we can find you, all of the things, if you have any programs or coaching available, anything like that? Yes. So you can find me at Tila Marie Coaching on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I do one-on-one coaching. If your listeners follow and send me a DM with your Confident Mompreneur, I will send them a free download that they can try for some like physical tools to try. Cause I know this stuff is great when you're listening, but I'm a pen to paper kind of person and sometimes need to like work it out on paper and they can do that. But I have loved being here and really appreciated your time. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate you. If you love this episode, please let us know by submitting a review or sharing with the women in your life. We'll see you next time.